and welcome back to More Than Running with Dana. I'm your host, Dana Giordano, and I'm here with a very special guest. We are actually in my home, sitting on my couch with my roommate and friend, Heather McLean. Welcome. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me in our own home. (laughs) Happy to be here. Happy to be here. It was a long journey. It was so hard to come from my bedroom to the living room, but you know, we made it. We made it. So Heather, who is Heather? Um, I am a professional runner as well for Team New Balance Boston, which is based out of Boston, Mass. But we live in Brighton, Mass, so... Is yeah. Brighton's part of Boston? Yeah, Brighton's part of Boston. It's just like the cooler part of Boston. The cooler part, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's the Flagstaff. What, what is, um, what do our friends say? It's the Flagstaff of the East. Yes. <laughs> I guess. I've never heard that, but I agree. <laughs> I think at one point they were trying to get that rolling and I was... It's not. We're the blue-collar Brookline, if anybody knows the area at all, but yeah. (laughs) But you are a Massachusetts born and bred person. Yes, so I'm from the North Shore, or the North Shore, if anybody's familiar. I'm from Peabody, Massachusetts. Uh, It's kind of right next to Salem, Mass, and Danvers. Um, I grew up in Salem and moved to Peabody later on and did high school and everything there, so yeah. And you have some... Salem connections. Yes. So um, my mom's a Wiccan. If anybody knows what <laughs> Wiccans are, she's a self-proclaimed witch. Uh, all my birthday parties were at the Salem Witch Museum growing up. And apparently, uh, this is the rumor, but we're related to three of the witches that were in the Salem Witch Trial. So kind of cool. My ancestors really cool. are pretty awesome, but <laughs> maybe not back then. So let's start at the very beginning. You... I mean, just taking one look at you, you're a very, like, muscular person. What, how did sports play a role in your early childhood? Did you do other sports other than running? Like, what was the kind of, like, your physical activity when you were a kid? Yeah, so, um, I guess, like most kids, I tried out a lot of sports growing up. Um, I did soccer. I maybe did gymnastics once. I can't remember. Maybe went through a few practices um I played t-ball on my brother's team I did a little bit of ice hockey I did a ton of different things um nothing really stuck I would say until I joined track um mostly because I have a very large family so we're all doing our own things and it was really hard for me to get from place to place so oftentimes when I would join a sport I wasn't really able to stick with it Mm -hmm. um Or I'd maybe do it for a season and then not do it the next season or go to a few practices. But um, two of the main sports I would say that I stuck with were definitely dance and track. Um, Oh, I didn't know about dance. Yes, I did dance on and off, but um, I love ballet. And I actually did it till my junior year when I joined track of high school. Um, But I definitely had to give it up because of track just because... It's a lot of pressure on your calves, so. <laughs> Ballet. Did yes. you ever have the point shoes? Um, I did have the point shoes. I My saddest thing was that I couldn't wear them to our dance recital because I think we had at the state meet or something like the week after and I didn't want to mess up my calves. Um, so I ended up having to just wear the regular shoes, but... Uh, I think I borrowed them from somebody in, pra- in practices and stuff, but I never had my own pair. Yeah. But it was... 
point was really really fun I really enjoyed it a lot I just felt so elegant like black swan or something like that I don't know <laughs> um but I've always had a really muscular body type I definitely got that from my dad my dad and my whole dad's side of the family is like naturally pretty muscular I always make this joke that in fifth grade when all the girls got boobs I like got biceps <laughs> and on the bus ride to school I'd always get made fun of by the boys for like having abs and biceps so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that definitely plays into your favor now. One thing that you've told me about the reason why you joined track, I think that's an interesting story that is a little bit different than most people's experience. So why did you join track? Yeah, so um, I went to Peabody High School, um, and we had we have a history of really great runners from P- Peabody High School, and one of those really great runners was in the 70s, and it was actually my uncle Dave, uh, who I didn't meet personally until later in life. Uh, he was my dad's brother and he today is like one of the biggest supporters of my track career just because he knows what it's like and uh, he's really the only other person in my family who did it Um, but he has a ton of records like state records and records from Peabody High and sprints and jumps so when I got to Peabody High the coach of the women's team would always like taunt me in the hallways and his name is um coach Rocha Joe Rocha if anybody's familiar and he's a really awesome guy and I attribute so much of any success I've ever had in the sport to him just because he's really the only person who really got me to stick with it but my whole thing was that I would join for like two days starting my freshman year I would join track for maybe like two or three days and then I would always quit before the first workout (laughs) not because I didn't want to do the workout but I just always found that it was like too hard to get to and from practice you know Mm -hmm. um I never really had a ride to and from school so like it would be hard to get to and from practice especially when I was younger and Peabody High was really home like far from my home so I wouldn't be able to walk home and I was always afraid to ask people for rides um and I often worked after school so that played a role in things and so it was hard for me to get to practice so my junior year my best friend in high school Mary Leach she joined the track team I think her freshman or sophomore year and she was doing another season of indoor track and we worked at Market Basket together every day after school. No, you, gotta say, you gotta say the Boston. We worked now. at Market Basket together yeah. <laughs> every day after school five days a week usually and Saturday sometimes Sundays whatever um and she had a car so she joined track and I was like you know what like I know I'd like to run uh but I've never really trained or anything and it would be fun to join the team uh and little did I know that was like gonna be my favorite part of every day Mm. coming up like the next few years of high school and that would be my ticket to college pretty much so me and Mary would, uh, I joined with Mary and there was a few times where I like definitely found it troublesome to stick with it. But, mm-hmm. uh, once I was on the team and going to practice and like able to get a ride from, from Mary to practice to market basket every day or practice home or whatever, uh, I found it a lot easier for me to do it. Um, and after that point, like after I started doing well and I really enjoyed the team aspect of things and I really liked being part of a group like that and it was a bunch of people who I hadn't ever interacted with much before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I went to a really big high school so we had a really large group of a really large student body and I found this group of friends that I really loved and I'm still really close with most of them and uh, it was just a community that I had never been a part of before and I really really liked it and 
I knew like from that point forward it'd be really hard for me to not do it anymore yeah um like other times so well I think that's definitely an experience that a lot of kids go through but not as many like you don't hear this story about distance runners where it seems as if you kind of had a a little different path where it wasn't just show up like you had was a little complicated for you to get to practice like it wasn't entirely easy and it feels like you had this kind of inherent internal drive to want to do it Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I mean uh it took a while to build that internal drive it took me knowing that I really loved doing it I would say for me to commit to making sure I was at practice every day and making sure I would feel comfortable asking people for a ride home or something when I needed to um and also I have a younger I have younger siblings and uh, they were a little bit older by then so they were in school so it wasn't my job anymore to like have to go home after school and like help take care of them so I think that definitely helped as well um also like being able to still do my job at Market Basket and uh be as part of the track team it was like kind of funny we would go to practice like all sweaty and if it was raining whatever and obviously we wouldn't shower after practice because it was high school so we just throw on our market basket smocks oh no like some days it was disgusting and I I remember I would we would tie our shoes up in a plastic bag and uh put them behind the customer service desk or like (laughs) under our (laughs) registers or whatever it was so gross now looking back I like couldn't imagine not showering after practice but we did it every day and (laughs) it worked out somehow so well it's kind of funny like looking at high school kids now you don't think that they when you're in high school you don't think that you look young yeah when you look back at high school kids now you're like like, dang I look so young (laughs) so you can get away with a lot more exactly exactly so what events did you do in high school you said you had a more muscular build you did dance but what was your like primary focus in events so I started with the 300 um and high jump because I started indoor track so I did the 300 and high jump and uh, outdoor that year, which is my junior year of high school, I ended up moving up to the 400, and then I did long jump, which I really loved, and I'm oh sad God. I could never do it again, but um, after high school, of course, but I, so I did long jump, high jump, 400, and 4 by 4 and I think that's when colleges really started to notice me, was when I started doing the 400. Um, I think I placed like third or something in our in our uh divisional meet that year so this is your junior year yeah this is my junior year in the 400 so uh I I was seeing like a lot of progress in the 400 pretty quickly and I think that was just mostly because I was pretty athletic already I just Mm -hmm. hadn't ever gotten to like put the skills to anything um and also I had had months of training under my belt at that point just because I had started in December January or whatever for the indoor track team Um, And then my senior year, I decided to do cross country for whatever reason, thinking it would be 400 meter training. And I ended up like being like better at cross country, which made no sense in my mind at the time. But um, I wasn't good until like the last two meets of the season. It was really bizarre. (laughs) Well, and then that's also the same point where people are going on recruiting visits and looking at colleges. Exactly. How much did you know about that process at the time? Because it seems like you were relatively independent. Yeah, so I knew very little about anything. So uh, my mom had done a few years of college. Uh, my dad did not go to college. Don't think he finished high school. 
Um, and my two older brothers, three older brothers didn't go to college either. So I didn't really have anybody to mirror, like look up to for that matter. Um, especially when it came to recruiting. It's totally different too. Yes, exactly. And luckily I had Coach Rocha and I had a ton of resources in the athletic department at PBD High, but I didn't really even start thinking about it until like the summer going into my senior year. And that's when most people like pretty much know where they're going to go take their official Mm -hmm. visits or like even where they're going to go. I think the signing, the signing process is different now, but I'm pretty sure the signing process was that you signed whatever in like January or February. And did you know there was an option for like athletic scholarships at the time? No. So that like, first it was like, oh, these schools are looking for you to run on their team. And it was mostly D2, D3 schools Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, which was like summer going into my senior year. Mm -hmm. And I only got a few letters, um... And that was mostly because, like, I had just started. Like, I didn't really have any recognition or anything. Yeah. So it's not like schools had been looking at me for years or anything. And I I think a lot of it was probably because um, my coach was, like, telling people about, like, me and being like, oh, this is another girl on our team. And uh, at the time, we also had, like, a ton of really other great state athletes on the team. Mm -hmm. We had, um, like, my year, I had Katarina Rocha, who ended up going to Providence. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like first or second at Foot Locker. She was amazing. Uh, and then the year before me, yeah, there was you're a probably few girls. thinking like that's who gets recruited. Uh, a little bit, yeah. We had like a really great soccer player my year too, and um, so she, they were all like they knew what schools they were going to like right away or early on and going on these recruiting trips and stuff. And I really just like had no idea like what the whole process was. Um, so I mostly talked to schools via like somebody else so like for instance the throws coach at our at Peabody High um was one of my best friend's dads um my best friend Zach Groovy and he told me about UMass early on Mm he's like my end of my junior year he's like hey this is coach Jackson from UMass like he's been uh looking at you I've been telling him about you and so then I started talking to UMass through him or like I started talking to Merrimack College which is a D2 school like through my friend Sarah who was a year above me who went to Merrimack so uh, it was mostly like people who were vouching for me, which at the time you don't really think about like how much mm-hmm. that means. Like I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in one of his books, like connectors. And yeah. they were really connectors for me because if I hadn't had those people in my life, like who knows who would have like been looking out for me or vouching for me. And I think we would be remiss to not talk about what you were studying at Peabody before this. Oh, what I was studying? Oh yes. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> freshman year at Peabody High... <laughs> I took a cosmetology class and, like, well, thought I was going to be a hairdresser, but I'm not good at doing hair at all. No, no. Heather's really good at doing hair. She's my braider. I'm good race. at braiding. She's really good at braiding. But it kind of goes to show, like, when you're in high school, it's like, you exactly. who knows what you're going to do. Your, your whole world is ahead of you. Like, you have no idea, like, what's going on. And uh, I hadn't put any thought into college. Barely any thought into college. Like, I never envisioned myself in college. Like, I envisioned myself, like, going beyond high school of course like I was a really good student in high school I got really great grades um but I I just no one ever talked about it to me growing up like I never really knew what the path was like I Mm -hmm. had seen it in movies but like my mom never really had much of a time at college like she never went away to college or anything she had just taken college classes and of course my brothers like didn't go through that process at all so uh I just I had no idea like what the whole process was like. I mean, yeah. I talked so to other people. It wasn't people. what people did. Exactly. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, like, people have been talking to college about 
to me since like day one, since I was, you know, in fifth grade, starting preschool, whatever. Or those families that have a college that exactly. everyone's like, we're an Ohio State family yes, or something. Yes, and that just was not a thing at all in my family. And I started thinking about it more, of course, when track came into the picture because uh, as soon as, I don't remember who the first person to tell me, like, there's a such thing as, like, athletic scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, came to mind, then, then I was like, okay, like, this is how I'm going to pay for, this is how I hope to pay for college, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise, there's, everyone knows, like, the financial struggles that students have today in higher education, and it's a huge barrier, and people don't really talk about it, but it's a gigantic barrier, and, mm-hmm. like, my sister's struggling with now, she's just a normal college student trying to make it through, and she's lucky because now I've gone to college, my brother has since gone to college, and we're able to help her out and, like, figure out ways for her to get scholarship and her to yeah. fund her college or, like, even be the ones who have to break the hard news. Like, hey, like, maybe you should take this semester off from living on campus and, like, work instead. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want your degree or, like – and it's hard that you have to make those decisions. Or but... even – I read an article about you. I was trying to be very official about <laughs> yes, this. Of course. <laughs> but, like, that you filled out your own FAFSA forms, you know? Oh, yeah. Yes, like, I filled out all my FAFSA forms. You had forms. to grow up pretty fast doing all this. Oh, exactly. Like, I – you don't have people to tell you about that. Well, I didn't have people to tell me about any of that stuff. And I didn't have anybody telling me when I should be taking the SAT. I didn't have anybody telling me this, telling me how to apply for school in the first place. Like that was all stuff I had to figure out on my own. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't figure it out on my own, like. And did you like screw. do it mostly during the school day? Cause it kind of seems like you went to school, you went to practice, you worked and then you got home. Like in what time did you have to, to do this, to apply? <laughs> Honestly, like, looking back on it, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, when did I do this? Yeah, so back then, I lived on Donkey's Iced Coffee. I would back wake then, up. are you kidding? Yeah, I still live on it, but I do not drink it as much as I did then. And I feel like in high school, like, we think back and we're like, how did we, how were, how were we not tired I all the time? I can't imagine, I just think about waking up that early and then yes. having to be alert for that exactly and, and then, then the lunch home. is like 30 minutes exactly and then coming home and then having to do homework for like the rest of the night then eating dinner and then like going to bed I'm I just I don't know how anybody ever did it to be honest because like now I'm like I need like 16 breaks throughout the day you're like I'm good <laughs> exactly this was a lot <laughs> but like I remember often like doing homework like really late at night or when the library was open. Um, We did not, I don't remember if we ever got Wi-Fi in our house until like after I graduated high school. Did you have a computer at home? I I had a laptop personally, but it was a really old laptop. So I didn't, I don't think I got my laptop either until my senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, we had had like a few laptops in the family like up until then, but most of my stuff, like my computer work, I always did from the library. Like I had a laptop my senior year, I believe at the end, my dad got it for me for Christmas or something. Um, but we didn't have Wi-Fi in our house. So I would have to either get free Wi-Fi from one of the neighbors. And that was like when nobody, nobody's Wi-Fi was locked (laughs) or I would have to go to the library and figure it out. So I know we had library time a a lot during lunch. Like you could choose to go to lunch or go to the library In some classes you could do that as well. So I remember doing a lot of work in the library, um, at school. And I remember doing a lot of work in the library at home. Uh, the library actually like played a really big part in at least the community that I grew up in. Um, in central Peabody because they had a lot of after-school activities Mm. um, and also there was like a lot of helpful resources there that like others had told me about that I was able to 
get access to. So Again, more connectors. Exactly, more connectors. And uh, I'm thankful every day for like having those connectors because yeah. I see a lot of students who don't have those connectors and mm-hmm. it's like so hard to figure out on your own if you don't have those connectors. But I remember like having to like Google research everything. Like for the FAFSA especially, like my needing to know every single form that I needed my mom to give me. And then, you know, my mom has a zillion forms. She has a zillion kids. She has a zillion forms everywhere, all over the house, like all these bills and stuff, like having to get her to find them and then having to fill out the FAFSA. And then a few months later, like refill out the FAFSA because she filed her taxes and like... So let's anchor you yeah. in the, this is the fall of your senior year. Yes. You're applying to school. You're talking to some coaches here mm-hmm. and there. What was kind of the moment that you're like, UMass is the place for me? So I went on I believe three official visits uh one was to Merrimack College which I thought was the school for me at first uh I really loved my visit there but in addition to that it's a d2 school uh it's in Andover Mass I believe so it would be like 35 ish minutes from home um but it's a private school Mm. and I remember they hadn't offered me much athletic scholarship and this goes back to like needing to know like how much school costs and like more mm-hmm. information about schools. Like I was only applying to the schools really that I knew A, I'd get a lot of financial aid from or B, I'd get some sort of athletic scholarship from. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't even reaching out to schools that could have had the resources to like completely fund yeah. my athletic or a- academic career because I had no idea. Like I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so I applied to Merrimack because I had talked to the coach, of course, and, uh, I really loved it there, but I remember getting, like, my financial aid package back, maybe in, like, December or January or something, and realizing that, like, the school was still going to be, you know, I don't remember how much it was, but it was probably, like, 20000 a year for me to go to. Yeah. And I'm lucky every day that I, like, didn't get into a commitment with a school like that because that was going to be way over my head. Yeah. And I had no one to help me financially except for myself. So that I was like, I would have had to drop out of school like if I ever had to do that, you know? Like maybe I would have gone for a year and I been mean, really positive. I mean, sticker prices must have been so overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And uh, something in me was just like, that's a commitment like I can't make. Mm-hmm. And so before that, before I had decided that, like even though I really, really loved the school, like I loved the team, like I loved my visit and I had friends that went there already. So I thought it would be really great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went on an official visit after that to, I believe UMass Dartmouth with my friend Mary, of course, my friend Mary from high school and she ended up going there, but I had already pretty much known by that point that I was probably going to go to UMass. Mm -hmm. So my last visit, I believe was UMass Amherst and uh I loved my visit at UMass Amherst. Uh, it was really great. I really liked the academic people that I talked to. Um, I really liked the team. I liked the campus. And I remember talking to Coach Julie, who was going to be my coach for the next four or five years, in her office and uh, her just being like really positive about everything and being like, we're going to help you as a, and a student and front of an athlete like we're going to help you grow as a person we're going to help you grow as a student we're going to help you grow as an athlete and like just holistically I 
thought that was really great because I mean she wasn't just focused on my athletic career Mm -hmm. which like to me at that point you know athletics like wasn't my whole life at all yeah uh athletics was a really really minuscule part of my life at that point just because I had so much going on like all the time Mm -hmm. so I really really liked that um and I remember getting home and I don't remember where I was exactly but I got a call from coach Julie and it was before my financial aid package had come in and she told me that I was going to be able to, between financial aid and athletic scholarship, I was going to be able to go to UMass for free. Wow. And that was like feel? the best news I had ever received in my whole life. Like oh I felt gosh. like... I'm getting, I, I just the, got a chill. Yeah, I had felt like I won the lottery. That's literally what it felt like. And that's like the moment that I was like, I... I a, I wanted to go to UMass already, but mm-hmm. I'm like, now I, not that I had to go there. They want me to go. But they want me there. And like, I felt like really wanted and really excited about being able to go to college. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be able to go to college. And that was a moment that I hadn't like come to light with. I was kind of just going through the motions, like never really thought about like what my life yeah. would be like in college, you Do know? Do you remember the first person you shared that with? Um, was it Mary? It might have been Mary. I don't remember. So actually, I think when I actually got that news, it was actually kind of funny because I was dating my high school boyfriend at the time and he was a year older than me and he went to Roger Williams. And I think I was visiting him when I got that news. Oh, that's funny. So I remember like being in the hallway on his campus and like getting this call. So it was probably him at You're the like, time. You're like, I'm gonna be a college girl too. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna go to college. Like, this is gonna be my life as well. Like, this is so cool. And like, I, th- I remember visiting him at school was like one of the first times that I had like visited a college campus. And like, like, bright eyes. It was so cool. Like the dining hall, like being able to get like unlimited Cheerios and Fruit Loops was like yeah. the coolest thing to me. And uh, so yeah, I, I was probably him and then like probably Mary or something. That's I don't remember. Like. But well, so let's fast forward to yeah. Heather in college. So yes. high school was one thing, but now you're in college. You have UMass best dining in the country. Mm-hmm. You have the world's your oyster. How long did it kind of take you in that adjustment period to be like, okay, not only am I here, I'm now here as a three season athlete. Um, so that's actually a good question. Because you, you, you were talking about kind of like you didn't have people be like, okay. Because we were, today we were actually hilariously, we just, we went on a run this morning and we were with um, your coach's son. We were all oh, giving yeah. him advice about like, <laughs> going do college, this, don't do that, do. make sure you wash your seats. But yeah. it seems like there was not a lot of that for you. So you were kind of going in yeah. and did so, you do cross country your first season? I did do cross country my first season. Um, I actually got injured my first season at UMass, which was my first injury pretty much. And I got Achilles tendonitis and I wasn't able to run. So I think I did the first meet or two. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I ended up having to take the season off. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my roommate, my freshman year roommate was also injured and she was also a, a middle dis- or a distance athlete, I guess I should say. And so it was kind of nice to have her, to be honest, because we were both injured, we can commiserate together, but also I really didn't know, like, how bad an injury was at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. my injury wasn't that bad, but I mean, just an injury in general. Yeah. And it didn't, it definitely didn't take as much of a toll on me then as it would have now, just because uh, this sport is so much more serious to me now, yeah. 
So uh, I lived with her, and then most of the other girls on our floor were track girls, so they weren't in season anyway. So, like, it kind of, in my head, just I just put it as, like, oh, I'm not in season right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, like, go get treatment every day together and... Have a little fun. Yeah, we would have some fun. It was awesome. But part of me, when I got to my college campus, which obviously is, like, just goes back to, like, how I was raised and stuff, is that... I was really independent coming to campus and I knew like what things I needed to take care of but also like the whole huge partying thing was like never that big to me uh, because I like was always so scared that I just had so much to lose. Mm -hmm. So like (laughs) I always talk about like how my I've never been to a frat house at UMass which is like what everyone does freshman year and uh, I had never gone to a frat house so I'm like I'm still kind of proud of that because from what I've heard they're pretty disgusting so but and I'm not like saying oh yeah like you shouldn't ever have fun in college or whatever but I think I had a different kind of I had a different perspective of it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this, my athletic scholarship or my financial aid is something that I can lose and, like, I need to do well. Otherwise, I will, I will lose that. I and, wish I had that. I, I, think <laughs> I, would, I think I had the opposite experience for you where I was like, I need this freedom. Yeah. I need the, and I, think, I want the independence. Yeah, and I think both are good experiences. Like, I think a lot of kids go into college and they honestly don't, they, this is their first time they've ever had in, ever, any independence in their life and they kind of just, like, go wild and that's why I think a lot of coaches should like really give their student athletes a break after the first year and like if after the first year they're still kind of like in that kind of going wild phase to have a talk but I mean it happens to everybody and like college is a really big step and Mm -hmm. for me particularly when I got to college I was like I'm here to like do my schoolwork, do my sport and like obviously make friends and have fun and stuff but like I need to be really careful you know Mm -hmm. I have everything to lose here and like I need to just be careful and so um I wanted to make sure that I was doing well in my classes which I did well in my classes and what was your major I think I joined I was psychology after my first semester I believe and I really wanted to be like an early uh UMass has a childhood education program so I was thinking about doing that and then I ended up changing my mind after my first two or three psychology classes just because I'm like oh I, I don't want to just do early childhood like I'd rather uh I don't want to do teaching anymore like I change my mind a lot but yeah as, as yeah. every college kid does um so yeah I like got to school and like I figured everything out pretty early on it was really helpful to have a team because you have this instant group of friends you know kind of like a sorority I guess uh, and they can all help you out with the small things that you need help with. And Coach Julie became a second mom to me, like, right away, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, she, we definitely, we didn't butt heads at all by any means in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's okay but, if you did. <laughs> uh, no, no, not any, by any means. We never butted heads. But she definitely looked out for me, I think, more than other uh, student-athletes on the team uh, because she knew my upbringing and she knew my some of my life experiences and how um, how much I probably had to lose like coming to that campus. So she just wanted to make sure that everything... She's holding you to a high standard. Yeah, so me and Zach Groovy, who's my friend who also went to UMass, who I was talking about earlier, always joke. And like he, one of the first few weeks of school, uh, Coach Julie came up to him and 
he says that she told him to kind of like watch out for me, like make sure I'm not being like a party girl or something like that, which is funny because it was like the opposite of that for me. Like I wasn't like, partying at all. You should watch out for all. some other people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just because um, she just didn't want me to fall into that trap. And yeah. I really appreciate uh, her always looking out for me and stuff. So yeah, I like figured out everything early on. I like made my family there early on and it was really great. I mean, I loved, I loved being a part of that community, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about your mindset as it came to like being a competitor. So I know yes. you now as like the professional runner, Heather competitor. So you competed in the 400, 800 mm-hmm. when you were at UMass. You weren't really a 1500 meter runner until your, some of your last seasons mm-hmm. there. What kind of, was there a shift for you in, oh, I'm running at a D1 school, I'm here, I'm kind of figuring this out. What point did you think, like, oh, I can be better than what I'm currently doing? Because I know you had some illness struggles throughout college. So it wasn't three seasons, consistency. You kind of had, you had an injury when you came mm-hmm. in, and then you had pneumonia. Yes. A couple times, mm-hmm. once. Five times. Actually, five or four times. I can't really remember. I got sick a lot. Um, (laughs) I have no idea how that happened. (laughs) College college is gross. So I think I made a big jump. Uh, I was, I was doing well in the 800, you know, I would make regionals every year up until my junior year. But, um, I think that I like really started moving towards the national level of things my junior year when I started to do the mile indoors um and so I did the mile like I had a lot of success in it a lot of growth like really early on in the mile and then and so I was pretty much injury free up until that point or I wouldn't say injury free like I had done I got injured my freshman year cross country then I had two really great indoor and outdoor seasons of track my freshman year like that's when I got my first A-10 championship and all of that, and um, I was just having fun with it. Like, every meet I was running, I I was getting better. And that's because I had so much growth in me, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like when you try a new event, and, like, every time you do it, you just, like, drop seconds and seconds and seconds off. And that's exactly what was happening. Like, every time I was running the 800, I was, like, dropping three seconds off. And I think that... <laughs> in the eight. <laughs> exactly. And I think that was a big part of um, being at a level where you're not just... So when I was younger in college, I, when I would go to like BU or like go to New England's or whatever, there was always girls who were better than me. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to race them and like match that level of competition like every time I raced. And I was, you know, just having fun with it. And like, I didn't know anybody's names. Like I wasn't getting nervous or anything. I I remember. That's the best. I just kind of just be. Yeah. Like I would be drinking Dunkin' like before my meet. And like, I would never do that now, you know? Like there were so many things I would do. Like I wouldn't eat all day before me and then just like go race an 800 and run like a 209 (laughs) Not to go back to high school, but you told me the other day the funniest thing. Oh, it was my 7-Eleven story? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Heather's pre-race meal in high school was uh sushi well it depended on what that was on the menu for the day but I often was known to eat like sushi or sandwiches from the 7-eleven down the street sandwiches aren't that bad but the sushi is like yeah it was disgusting um now thinking back to it I'm just like I don't know how I ever did that I remember our first track meet ever in high school um this is when I was like still like knowing the ropes and stuff and like me and Mary were just like there to have fun kind of thing and 
we walked to the bottom of the hill, which our high school was, like, on a huge hill. And before the first meet, the first indoor meet, we walked to the bottom of the hill. And, like, I got a ton of cookies and stuff at, like, the convenience store. We walked back up the hill. And we were late to the team meeting before the meet because, like, we had been getting cookies. And, like, I'm in the back of the room with Mary. And we're, like, munching down on these cookies. And, like, everyone's looking at us. <laughs> and I was, like, oops. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. And also, I was, like, I didn't know you weren't supposed to eat cookies, like, before That's a meet. Like, so I had, now I'm, like, oh, nutrition is so important, like, before a meet. Like, I can't eat anything that would upset my stomach, all this stuff. But, but you like, got to this point in college where you kind of were figuring it out. Yeah, I was, I was figuring it out, like, little by little. And. Um, yeah, I, so I had, like, a lot of growth, like, in the 800, but I knew, like, I love the 800 to death, but I'm, like, I don't know if, like, I'll ever have the most growth in that. Like, I was pretty decent at cross country, and then, like, I was doing the 800 and the 4x4, and I absolutely loved it, but I'm, like, maybe I should, like, move up, and, like, I think, obviously, Coach Julie saw that way before I did, mm-hmm. and... They always do. The coaches, they always know. Yes, they always know, and so I tried out the mile, indoor my junior year and I had I had just had a really great cross-country season like I got second at A10s or something um and so I just had had a really 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 great cross-country season and so that was her time to like move me up to the mile and I think my first meet I ran I it was really funny actually because my high school friends were at my first meet it was a BU meet and um she was the first time she put me in the mile and she seated me at 440 we always the first time you ran the mile first time I ran the mile it's pretty aggressive in a, in, a, in a meet for college like I had I had run it at a BU mini meet um earlier in the season you had run 440 no um okay. I had run the mile at a BU mini meet like earlier uh that year and I think I ran like 450 or something it's a pretty impressive but it was just for fun um so this is my first like official college uh mile and so okay. she put me at 440 which would have been like a 15 second PR basically and me, it was, I think it was me, my friend Joy, who was like one of my best friends from my childhood, who ran at Assumption College. Uh, this girl, Sarah May, who was a year older than me at PUD High, and she ran at Merrimack, this actually. This is in Massachusetts reunion. And I think Katerina Roach was there, too, and we were all like looking at my seat time, dying laughing. We're like, as if I'm going to run 440. Like, Coach Julie is nuts. Like, she is insane. There's no way I'm going to run 440 in the mile. Like, How I, close I've been doing get? like 25 miles a week to 30 miles a week. Like, I'm doing no training. Like, <laughs> um, looking back on it, and like, I was mostly training with the, the 400 girls. Yeah. So. Uh, I ran 440 exactly. <laughs> oh my god! And Coach Julie was like, see, you shouldn't have been laughing. Like, I know what you're capable of, blah, blah, blah. And... Did you win the race? I don't think I won the race. I, actually, it was a race. It was Abby, Ellie. Abby Dagasino. Abby Dagasino, Ellie. Ellie Perrier. There was a ton of pros in this heat. It was Ellie Perrier. Um, I don't remember who the third person was, but it was another New wow. Balance girl. And then it was me. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> That's so, amazing. So you kind of are, you're getting the success. You're building on the mile. Yeah. And- so I had this huge growth in the mile and I'm like, okay, like I had a lot of growth early on the eight, but I hadn't had growth in a little while. And like, maybe this is the event for me. And it, I ended up making it my first NCAAs that indoor season um and I was still learning like I made it to the final at NCAAs which I was really really excited about um and had my PR in the prelims but then I didn't do as well in the final but like I still made it there and mm-hmm. um, I know that life it's like you're right you're teetering exactly. on the edge of mi- you're there in the final but you're yeah, not doing and anything. it's your first time being at that level you know being at UMass uh 
we didn't always have a lot of funding as a team, so we didn't get to travel that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our meets were in New England, so which honestly has really great competition for middle distance, but uh, that's only if you're really able to get to it. And so a lot of our meets were for indoor. It was really great for outdoor. Um, we had a lot of home meets and often I was running like an event that I didn't do that often, uh, just because like the event that I would want to do, like wouldn't have that much competition in it. Yeah. So Um, the fall though of your senior year is where you really made this like kind of insane breakthrough in cross country. That was my fifth year. Oh, that was your fifth year. Okay. So senior year was the pneumonia year. So junior year is the first time I got pneumonia. Um, I missed, I had gotten like a little knee injury and so we were like, oh, we'll just redshirt, redshirt the season because I was so already going to do so a fifth year. so much eligibility. And so, yeah, so we, we redshirted the, se- the season and then I ended up getting sick later in the season, my junior year. Um, and then that summer going into my senior year, my dad had been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Oh, wow. So he lived in San Diego, Encinitas at the mm-hmm. time. And so I was going out to visit him a lot. Um, and I think that just really took a toll on me. Yes. So this is going into my senior year. Um, and my stepdad was also really, really sick at the time. Um, my stepdad who hadn't like been a part of my life since I was younger, but my mom and he was still a part of my life at some point. He's Mm -hmm. the dad to my younger siblings and he had been really, really sick and he ended up passing away right before my birthday, which is August 31st for anybody who's listening. (laughs) You want to send Heather something Um, for her birthday coming up? But he passed away right before my birthday and I think I had to come to terms with a lot of things after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And not to mention like these are the two father figures, the two only like father figures I've had in my life. And how long did um, your dad live out in California? He had been in California since I was about eight years old, maybe 10 years old, I think. Mm -hmm. And then my mom and my stepdad split up when I was around 11. So as you can imagine, being the first girl uh, in the family, I quickly became the second mom as soon as there was no father figure in the picture. And um, yeah, so I give a lot of credit to my mom, as crazy as she is, (laughs) because she was a single mom with seven kids and that's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, and it definitely warranted a lot of judgment from other people and mm-hmm. all of that. And like, you know, I don't know how she did it. Honestly, it's really hard. And, uh, but yeah, so I quickly became the second mom. And so I, I was dealing with a lot of pressure from that, especially going to college because like, I kind of felt like I'm like leaving my own children when I'm leaving yeah, my younger siblings sure. at home. Like, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, my senior year, my stepdad passed away right before cross country season, Um, I remember like before the first cross country meet was his funeral. So I drove home for the funeral and then drove back that day, uh, and ran the cross country meet the next day. And like, I had a really breakthrough cross country season that season. Um, I got sick in the middle of it again. Um, and that's probably mostly due to like stress. of compartmentalizing. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to this funeral and then I have to go run this race. And like, I was just taking everything like step by step really. Mm -hmm. Um, and also it's your senior year. Like you should be having fun and enjoying it. But like, I just had so much going on that I feel like I was just taking it really day by day. So when did you find out about your biological father? So I found about, out about my biological father the summer going into my senior year. So, so this I'm, is all happening at the same time. Yeah. So I, my da- stepdad just passed away. I'm dealing with the stress like that my dad is really, really sick. And um, I didn't really get close with my dad till later in my life. 
and he was like one of my biggest supporters of running like as soon as I got to college and stuff but um so yeah I was going to visit him like every chance I got so you know Thanksgiving break I was Mm -hmm. going to visit him like I was going to visit him during the summer like all that stuff and um I remember visiting him during Thanksgiving break like right after I had this like really great cross-country season like I won my first A-10 championship um and us going to a scan and us finding out together that like the cancer had spread to his bones and like I don't know much about the medical side of things but like basically when it spreads to your bones your lymph nodes and stuff it's pretty bad and he was really I had known nothing about cancer really at that point um even though my stepdad had just passed away from it um but you're and still my mom was there for at like this time, 22? exactly, yeah. So I'm like, I, I was 21, yeah. I had known nothing about anything, and um, he was really great about being, to me, like kind of downplaying how bad it was and saying, mm-hmm. like, oh, it'll be fine, like I'll be fine, I'll be okay, blah blah blah. So um, I was trying to like in my head be like, okay, you know what, like he's gonna be okay, and but still worrying all the time, of course. And yeah. so I got back to school and after I had visited him like around Thanksgiving break and like started to get ready to train for um indoor and so I started training whatever and then in February of my senior year uh it was a really or in January was really really hard month because my dad was like really sick a lot and um I had gotten really sick in January, and so my coach was just like, let's... Punches just keep coming. Yeah, she's like, let's just see what happens, and then I got the call in at the end of January that, uh, from my stepmom, that my dad was, like, about to pass away. So me and all my siblings flew out to San Diego or Encinitas, whatever, um, to be with him, like, on his last days, of course, and um, spend those, like, final moments with him, which is really special, and I'm, I'm happy that I got to be there, but it was also really hard, like, it's in the middle of your senior year indoor season, and, like, indoor was my favorite. Yeah, and it's it's hard to talk to people about it, because you're, like, not many people have their, a lot of people have their parents die pretty young, but, like, at the time, I had not known anybody else who Mm -hmm. had been going through those experiences, and, like, I'm also, I just listened to a Brene Brown podcast <laughs> Love her. about over and under functioning and I'm definitely an over functioner and because I have that like kind of like maternally instinct in me from being like the second mom in my family, I guess, mm-hmm. I am very quick to just be like, you know what, on to the next thing and like yeah. we need to take care of business. So like I got home, um, Coach Julie was really great and really great with me and my academic people at UMass like reach out to all my professors and like I we had to figure out all the stuff in Encinitas as far as my dad's belongings go and stuff and um, my sister ended up having to get surgery while we were there Um, and so my dad passes away two days later my sister has to get this major surgery she's in the hospital overnight in California and we're like what the heck is going on you were sick yes I had just like overcome sickness I was starting to get sick again uh so we and then we drive home from California with my dad's car uh in three days (laughs) back to Massachusetts and then I just want you I just want to like take a deep breath for you like exactly oh my gosh and so coach Julie and it's my senior year I'm like all my friends are partying every weekend like having the time of their lives I'm finally 21 I'm like I can't go to a bar right now um so 
Coach Julie was, like, the one to pull the plug on my indoor season, which was a really amazing decision because, like, I don't think I would have ever really made that on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, like, prepare for outdoor. So uh, she pulled the plug on my indoor season. And, you know, outdoor was – it was a season, but I got sick again in outdoor. Just happened to I competed at the A-10 championships, like, had to go straight from my race to that – med tent and get a nebulizer treatment because my pneumonia had been so bad um but yeah. I just want this year to be over exactly like I had just finished up I planned my dad's whole funeral in Massachusetts like just finished up all of that and like there's just so many things it that was I'm thinking exhausting about you at 21 that I'm like how I yeah. just feel like I would have been Honestly, so incompetent with like I... so little responsibility I have like at this moment in time of my life like thinking back to how much responsibility I had then you know you're trying to finish up your degree you're trying to keep your family together after like these two major things happen in less than six months like you're trying to like I don't even yeah. know like well, it was I hope crazy you can reflect on that now and see how amazing it is that you oh did yeah that. and like there was um, a ton of amazing things that came out of that year too which I'm really thankful for um and I'm really thankful for those like final moments I got to have like with mm-hmm. my father and everything and um yeah, so like so this that is was a my challenging senior year, senior year, kind of a bust. Um, but you got into a master's program at UMass, exactly. So I'm like, this is my time for a redemption. Uh, and UMass has a really amazing higher ed program, and of course, like going back to every other thing I was talking about about access to higher education, like how passionate I am about it, and how passionate I am about like supporting first gen students and low income students, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a perfect program for me. I really loved my time in it, Uh, but it was a two year program. So I saw this is like my opportunity to like, kind of like make a comeback for myself, you know, comeback season. Yeah. I hadn't had the best uh, like last two years of school as far as running goes. Like I had great years academically and, Um, I got into a really, a lot of amazing academic experiences that I really had to work hard for and I was really honored to be a part of them and I was excited to be a part of this program especially, uh, because I felt like, I I think, I feel like a lot of people probably feel this way. Once you start getting later in your major, Mm -hmm. join a grad program, you're actually studying things that you like really want to be studying. Once you get past like the requirements, the gen eds, whatever, you're in these classes that you got to choose and like you're really passionate about learning about and so I'm very much a learner it's like one of my my uh, strengths I would say and I love learning I love learning about Mm -hmm. new things and uh what I had been learning about at the time was like really exciting to me so I got into this master's program I trained like really hard in the summer going up into my fifth year um and for past summers, I had always, like, done some summer training, but I, during the summer was, like, a really big time for me to work, mm-hmm. and so every other summer, and including that one, too, um, I was working a lot of hours, and, you know, like, for all the people listening right now that have to work a whole day, like, it's and go run after, run really early before, it's not easy at all, and you have tired legs, and you know, depending on the weather, especially during the summer, it's unpredictable. It could be pouring, or it could be really dark out, or it could be, uh... Hot. Yeah, really hot and humid and disgusting, and you have to go at 9 o'clock at night instead of 5 p.m. or whatever when you get out of work, so... 
uh, there was definitely more often than not that I was like, I need to cut a run short today or like, I can't do this workout today. I have to do it like tomorrow or the next day or not at all because, uh, like I have this priority to work. Like I needed to make money during the summer in order to be able to go to school and like actually enjoy myself. And I, I worked during the school year too, like don't get me wrong, but I just always wanted to make sure like I was in a safe place financially that like Mm -hmm. I would never lose my spot, you know? Yeah. So to make your own safety net. Exactly. And that really helped me like coming out of school too. But, uh, so my fifth year, I really got to train during the summer. I had a campus job the summer leading up and I got a really great assistantship, graduate assistantship within the office of student success. So I got to work 20 hours a week, um, in the office of student success. And that was really amazing. Um, but I think like moving up to that next level a little bit and having a few months of healthy training under my belt, uh, I was able to build up mileage more. We had a really great team dynamic at the time. Um, and coach Julie was like always pushing me in workouts and really trying to get me to that next level. And And then you busted it open at NCAAs, not to tell your story, (laughs) but you really kind of made this actually really competitive breakthrough for a 400, 800 meter runner going into college. Yes. You then go, what place did you get at NCAA? I got 26 at NCAA. American. All American, um, which obviously it's not like top 10 or anything, but. It's higher uh, than I ever For placed. me, it was really exciting and I was really excited about it. Um, it was my first cross NCAAs and like I hadn't been much of a cross runner before that. Like I was never known for cross country. So that was also exciting to me, but also like, uh, cross country has always been really, really tough for me. And at that point I was like, okay, like I can push my limits beyond what I think I can. Mm -hmm. And like, I have this internal thing, like it goes back to mental health, you know? Yeah. And the mental aspect of racing is a really large part of it. And I, before that point, I had gotten into this kind of like weird groove where I, my coach always believed in me way more than I, I could. Like I could never see myself past a certain point and that was really tough for me. Like, and I don't know what it had to do with like how I grew up or how I, how the horrible, like pretty bad life experiences I had like in those few years and I kind of was just going through the motions with everything but, um, I really, like, started to believe in myself, I think, at that point. And that, I think, was also the point where it's like, I think I, like, want to run professionally. Like, I, I, I want to try to do more in this sport than I think I can. Oh, I just got chills and, again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had a really great cross-country season. And then I ran my first 3K ever uh, in December of that year. And I think I ran like 903, um, which would have qualified me for NCAAs for that indoor season. But unfortunately, as the story goes, I once again got like a pretty bad bout of pneumonia. And uh, I have had really bad asthma since I was a baby. Um, So every time I got pneumonia, it was like, well, what would happen was I would get bronchitis and then uh, it would just turn into pneumonia because... Uh, my asthma so like pretty much it was like functioning with one lung all the time it was really horrible 
and uh, I would brutal. be just like dosed up on like the Z Pack or Prendazone or whatever. And so another indoor season lost yeah, onto so the spring. It would often keep me out for like one or two months just because it was so hard to breathe for a while after that. Like so breathing um, through a straw. Yeah, so I ran this really great uh, December meet, and I would have qualified for NCAAs that year, um, and I ended up not being able to compete because mm. of how sick I got. So I another indoor loss, of course, but I was like, okay, I'll focus on outdoor. Um, I didn't really have much of a base by the time outdoor came because I had pretty much taken on and off like maybe two and a half months or so um, because of the pneumonia. So um, I hadn't gotten to have the base mileage that I had had going into my indoor season. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a bummer, especially because I was so excited. But I'm like, I am still excited for my senior year, of course. And um, I mean, my fifth year, of course. So I got to run... Uh, I ran a really great 800, like my first 800 season. I PR'd by like three seconds. You and um, those three second 800 I don't know how PRs. I did this. It was like a, I soloed at 203. I'm like, I could, I have, how the heck did I did that, do that? That's um, just talent right and there. And I made it to regionals, of course, with that. And then from regionals, I made it to nationals. And in the, in the 800, I didn't end up making the final at nationals, but I had like made, it was my first time making NCAAs in the 800, which I was really excited about and. At this um, point, were you speaking with, I know you mentioned that you thought about dreams beyond collegiate yes. running, so you knew you were going to be at UMass for a sixth year anyways, mm-hmm. but how did you get connected with your current agent that you have? Oh, yeah, so that's a fun story. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, I qualified for USA's with that 203, basically, and uh, so I, I got to go to my first USA championship, and I didn't start talking Summer of to 2017. Teams. Yes, yeah, summer of 20, 2018, actually. 2018. Um, so I made it to my first USA championship, like my first time being at that stage. Um, and I was, you know, talking to a few teams by that point uh, after my season had ended. Uh, and I was sitting in the stands and uh, a UMass grad came up to me. It was like, hey, like... I'm a UMass grad and you know in my mind I have I had known nothing about the professional world at this point so I'm like oh a a UMass super fan is here to like watch me compete (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know why I thought that way but it had happened at other meets so I wasn't crazy to think that way that's not crazy that's not crazy Um, it's a big so I'm talking to this guy and I'm like talking about how I'm talking to these different teams and I really don't know what I'm looking for and I like don't know anything about talking to teams and um I also uh it was required for my master's program to do a practicum experience. And I was about to go off to Greece to do a uh, summer long practical practicum experience in Greece at a university in Greece, which I was pumped about, but I was like, Oh, well I'm there. Like I might as well do some meets. Cause I like knew yeah. European meets were a thing. Like I knew enough to know that. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, Oh, I can help you get into meets. I'm like, what the heck? You're like, like who, who are, are you? <laughs> um, so lo and behold, it was like Paul Doyle, who's like one of the best agents in the business and wow. he's amazing. And he's a UMass grad, which I really loved. And, uh, he offered to help me right away. And I was like, yeah, like, what is this whole agent thing? Like, I didn't even know anything about an agent or anything. And you know, all these other people that I'm talking to that were going pro, like I had already had agents and had already known what teams they're pretty much going to sign with and like all this stuff. And so 
he helped me out right away, which was really amazing. And I'm still with him today, of course. And he's really great. But it was just like a funny thing. And I'm just sitting there. I don't like, know if you guy? know about, I mean, that summer, I, I think I've told you this before, but so it was the summer 2018. I was also in Europe. And I remember you very specifically braiding Corey McGee's hair at this little meet in Belgium. And I thought you were Swedish. The blonde hair and blue eyes. I was like, oh, it's just a Swedish girl, like, that has New Balance yeah. stuff that's Random kind of... Girl. Were you even New Balance at that time? I don't even um, know. Yeah, I had my New Balance. Okay. I had um, joined the team at that time. So you had the, your New Balance stuff on, and I was like, oh, yeah, she's this this nice Swedish girl's been hanging out with us. Like, I didn't know who you were. And then the second one was you ran, uh, I think, at the London Diamond League mm-hmm. meet yeah, as well. Yeah, I paced. You paced there, and I was like, yeah. damn, who is this, like, really fast Swedish yeah. girl? Then I found out you were not Swedish and you had actually joined Team New Balance Boston. Yes. So um, Coach Mark Hoogan reached out to me um, towards the end of my fifth year and I talked to him on the phone about like what it would be like to run professionally and all of that. And he was the first person to reach out to me. Um, and I had been pretty great friends with Allie Purrier at that point and uh her coach and my coach were really close too so when we would go to these meets like NCAAs and regionals it would often just be like us from our team or like us and one other person so uh it was really fun to like all hang out as a group or whatever and of course Allie was like a top prospect at that point so I got to ask her about a lot of stuff because I really had no idea and like uh her coach as well Hop was super helpful and Mm -hmm. uh he's amazing and like our coaches together just like a force to be reckoned with they're just really great and uh he was really helpful Ella was really helpful like I was learning learning more and more along the way kind of like my senior year of high school where I had to learn more and more about the recruiting process the story of Heather it was the same thing all over again upskilling herself um, so yeah again it was connectors like I uh had been connected with Ellie who had a lot of experience at this point with it and I got accidentally connected with Paul Doyle and next Everything thing you know like for a reason I'm I'm this like UMass girl who was like I've gone to three NCAA championships but like I'm nothing like super special or anything and uh I'm like pacing the London time and league and I'm That's like amazing. what am I doing right now so what a dream. Uh, I'm training in like Greece and uh Thessaloniki and just having fun with it and like running around the small Greek campus every day and then flying on the weekends to wherever I'm racing and I'm you know it was pretty cool and uh I was we would all give so much to have that freedom right now yeah it was wild I'm like I was just going day by day like Paul called me he's like I have a job for you this weekend I'm like okay I'll go do this job I like fly to London or whatever from Thessaloniki I fly on the weekend I fly back on Monday and I go sail the Greek islands for the next like seven days <laughs> yeah, wow it was so like fun a dream. <laughs> um so I want to talk about yes. your actual first year okay <laughs> so we're, we're gonna this is one of my favorite parts of Heather's story <laughs> is so you're your sixth year at UMass you're still living there you're finishing up your degree yep. Just coming to Boston to train a couple times a week mm-hmm. with the team, but really spending most of your time mm-hmm. at UMass. Absolutely. But this is kind of your progression from last year, yes. or I guess this is summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you were mostly in UMass, correct? Yes. Okay. So Heather opens up her season at Drake. Mm-hmm. 
with a oh full, yeah my outdoor season, with, yeah. this is Heather's outdoor season <laughs> so uh 426 in the 1500 at Drake mm-hmm. it was a very cold day but yeah. we're this is this not is good <laughs> then at Swarthmore you drop that down to a respectable 414 mm-hmm. 1500 which these are all that was a PR, yeah. right? At the so time? this is a five. That four fourteen was, I think, a five second PR. Okay, it was a five second PR. We're just gonna throw Drake out. Mm-hmm. Then you go over to Poland because mm-hmm. you have this amazing connection to these European races. You run four ten, mm-hmm. and then busting it open in Ostrava, you run a four oh six point two, and then at USA's you run a four oh five. Yes. Can you describe to me what that first? outdoor season as a pro was because you had some injury issues again Mm -hmm. in the winter but this really was kind of last season I feel like this is you can describe Mm -hmm. this as your true breakout as a professional Mm -hmm. uh yeah definitely I mean uh as I had mentioned like at UMass um it was very few times a year that I got to race like really high level competition and so I honestly just wasn't used to it at all. Like, I, the only time I would ever really get, like, that really, really high-level competition was at uh, occasionally a BU meet or um, at regionals. And, like, people don't talk about enough how much the experience of racing those people is really important. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, a lot of the difference between these, like, really small Division One schools and these, like, not even bigger Division One schools, but Division One schools with more funding, is they have more resources to send you to these meets to be able to really test your true ability. Because, like, you test that just like you do in practice by, mm-hmm. like, racing or training with people who are, like, much better than you. Yeah, my school is the same way, where we, exactly. had to, we could only send four people out to a California yes. meet, but not everyone. Yes, so um, it was definitely a learning experience for me to be at that level, um, and I was not even like jumping from like the, cause I wasn't even racing like the best collegians, you know, like I was jumping past racing the best collegians and like racing professionals. The best and in the world almost. Like I said earlier, like it's a huge mental barrier to like be able to like th- believe in yourself that far and just like get into a race and believe that you belong there and you are training with people who are as good as this and you can be as good as this as well. So, um, my, I also was training like pretty low mileage and college I was of course only running once a day um and coach Julie was a really big believer in quality over quantity so I was doing like really great workouts but um I was doing really low mileage and that also had to do with the fact that I was like doing the 800 and the 400 yeah so I'm running like 30 35 miles a week at my max um and that's when I'm not sick so like if I was sick you know two months loss of training pretty much and so I was never able to like really train that consistently and I came in to joining with Mark's group and uh, they're at a lot higher mileage so I I think I personally jumped too soon because I got really excited about like being able to train with these people and um, I ended up getting uh, an Achilles injury that took a really long time to go away I got it around Thanksgiving time my last year at UMass so last year uh, and I'm in school full-time as a master's student I'm working, working. 30 hours a week uh, in a graduate assistantship. So I'm just doing a lot of stuff. Like I'm driving to Boston at 5 a.m. like two times a week to join in with workouts with the girls. And it was really stressful and I got excited and I did too much too soon. And, you know, just like with most things, like I got injured from it. So I got a pretty tough Achilles injury. And luckily I got to still go to Flagstaff with the girls in January 
um, and my first like experience being with the girls all the time because I wasn't training with them every day so I felt like I didn't get to know them too well Mm -hmm. early on Um, and I built up a base in Flagstaff like I started running I remember when I got to Flagstaff let me tell you after not running for being injured and getting in shape at altitude not fun not recommended for anyone (laughs) not fun at all especially when you're asthmatic (laughs) here for that Um, so it was a painful time for sure and I ended up getting to do like one or two meets indoor off of um like a month of training so that was fun um but yeah I got to Drake Relays and uh it was my first like 1500 as a pro Mm -hmm. and before that I had only really run 1500s like either by myself or like I think uh I hadn't run the 1500 much so I don't have much experience I hadn't had much experience at that point in the 1500 yeah and so I really needed to like do a ton of meets just to like race that level of competition but also like learn how to run it like the 1500 I had gotten so comfortable with running the 800 and like I still am so comfortable with running the 800 that it doesn't really phase me mm-hmm. um, there's a lot like, more I tactics get so excited about running the 800 but the 1500 like so I feel like so much more can happen and like obviously it's not a 5k or 10k or marathon or anything like not that much goes on like it is a faster event but um I had a lot of learning to do in it for sure yeah um if you were just to kind of sum up that whole first season because I yes. want to I want to look forward I want to look forward to kind of this year and what's going absolutely on. yeah if you were to kind of sum up that first season did you kind of meet your expectations did you exceed them I definitely exceeded my expectations and I think that goes back to like what I was saying earlier and believing you can do more than you think you can Mm -hmm. and I finally got to a point where I was like starting to really believe in myself and I'm still struggling with that as many athletes do and knowing you're capable of so much more than you think you are and um I finally started to get to that point where I was like you know you're gonna get in this race you're gonna be positive and you're gonna tell yourself that you belong there so every race like I was, like, practicing these mantras. Like, I was telling myself I belong there. Like, I deserve to be there. And having fun with it, too, you know. I started really making a jump, I think, after I had finally finished my master's thesis. And, like, as we could all say, like, you got rid of that stress. And that I was stress-free after that. Like, I got my master's. I was moving out of UMass. And, like, you moved in with me. Yeah. And then I moved in with Dana. (laughs) And I'm taking this next step in my life. And, uh... I was really excited about it and like I also hadn't had that I haven't like remembered a time in my life that I didn't have academic stress you know like I take academics pretty seriously and I like I said I love learning and so like I had put a lot of myself into like my passions and my like academics and like the work I was doing on campus and like it took away from other things like it's bound to you know Uh, it's hard to balance all of that and so I made like a really big jump definitely after I had finished my degree and I'm really thankful for being having the opportunity to have a degree in the first place like I never would have thought you know my junior year sophomore I want I just I think it's amazing that you've had such a journey I mean I feel like you and I could talk all day about this I it's honestly so impressive and one of the reasons main reasons why I want to interview you was because I think you have a story that is relatable for a lot of people but also is not very well known. Do you feel like now you run four hundred five in the fifteen hundred this mm-hmm. past indoor season at Milrose? You ran four twenty four. Four twenty five. Four twenty five <laughs> for the mile. She just time trialed a pretty fast eight hundred. Do you feel like you're under the radar now? Do you feel like you're underrated? Like 
how do you kind of see yourself in this larger running scape? I feel like you're very humble. Um, in the larger, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would describe it, but like, I enjoy the fact that I can go into a lot of meets and not all the eyes are really on me, I guess, at the moment. I mean, I would... The underdog. The underdog, yes, but also I'm, like, still having fun with it, mm-hmm. and I have my good days. Like, I have my bad days. Like, everyone has bad days, and uh, I want to get to a point, of course, where I'm, like, having very, very few bad days. Like, Drake mm-hmm. Relay's very bad day, but I... Cold. It's a learning experience, and, like, I am just learning how to, how to have those different sorts of days I guess and how to minimize the amount of like bad days you have and so I'm, I'm still learning and I think that this year especially was obviously there was a pandemic and it kind of like ruined everyone's hopes and dreams for the outdoor season um, but it is also a really good time to practice those things and I think I'm getting a lot more comfortable uh, training not training harder but uh being more like believing in myself more especially when it comes to practice and like practice is like the number one place to practice that you know Mm -hmm. um and just like trying to get the mental side of things down so that when it comes time for me to be able to show whatever how fit I am or show whoever show myself really then I know more often than not that it's not going to be one of those times where I'm leaving the track and being like oh I'm like really disappointed in myself yeah um and also trying to minimize you know any shame that I've like felt in the past like with races and it's hard to go into a race after you've had a bad race or a bad practice and be like okay I need to like forget about what happened and know that that's not a true testament of my my shape and my character and that I can go into this race and it's a different day like I have a different experience different time to express who I am and what I can do um and yeah believing in myself is like the big thing so I'm I'm really working on that during this time and uh it's been tough you know like training in a pandemic is tough and I'm very lucky to have two amazing roommates to train with and cook dinner with and talk through this stuff with because they've been there and they know what it's like for those of you who don't know, like our other roommates, Leanne Farber. Who's, she's on stairs. Yes, she's been on the Team New Balance Boston team for a few years now. So she's definitely a veteran and she's a really great person to look up to. And of course, like Dana's been in the sport for a few more years than me. So she's a really amazing person to Thank look you. up to as well. Um, well, so I want to finish yes. up with these last <laughs> two questions that I've been trying to ask every guest. We've had a little yes. bit of technical issues with this episode, but we're, we're here. Yes, Note to typical. Self. <laughs> technical issues with life and the episode, but yeah. <laughs> but the two questions I want to ask, and you can make these as long as short as you want, but one is you're looking back at your retirement. Mm-hmm. It's your retirement dinner. Everyone's standing up and talking about Heather. What do you want them to say about you? Oh, I'm looking back at my retirement Oh, it's hard to think about that, you know, and I'm just trying to, like, <laughs> like make it till tomorrow. <laughs> um, I would want them, of course, depending on what kind of retirement it is, like, whether that's from the sport or, like, whatever career path I decide to choose after the sport, to think of me as having great character. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be just known as being, like, great athlete or 
great runner or like great lawyer or whatever. Um, I'd like to be known as a great person, a great mentor to a lot of people. Like I definitely make it my goal to not mentor a lot of people, but um, I like to help people. Like, I mean, it's just in my blood and I want to be able to like not be seen as that necessarily, but I don't want to be narrowed and like tunnel vision down to just like one thing about me like I just want my character as a whole to be like a great character and uh not just like this great runner great lawyer great activist great whatever like I'd rather be known as like a great person in general and um trying to improve myself holistically not as just one person in my life and me and Dana talk about this a lot actually I'm like I feel like we have a higher purpose, you know, like, I feel like I need to do more with my time, like, I have all this time now, which I've never had in my whole life, like, all this time, like, between taking care of my siblings, and taking care of school, and, like, taking care of my job, and and now I'm just getting to pursue running full-time, and, like, I have all this time during the day, and I'm, like, I feel like I really need to do something with it, and, like, I'll find what I need to do with it, you know what I mean, but um, I, like, doing a lot which is not always it's sometimes the downfall of me but um yeah I definitely don't want to be known you want to be more than running one thing yeah I want to be more than running (laughs) (laughs) and the last question I'm gonna ask you because I think we we did focus a lot on your high school years because I think it's really formative and just kind of important to talk about where people start because we're Mm -hmm. not all we all didn't think we were gonna make the Olympics at age five you know like we all come from this from different angles what advice would you give to high school students that kind of were in a similar situation that you were in? Um, oof. Yeah, I guess. I definitely was, like, from people I've talked to, I definitely was in a unique position, and everybody is, really, to some extent. Um, but specifically for the student athletes, I guess, or even students mm-hmm. from low-income families, but high achieving backgrounds and who don't don't necessarily completely believe in themselves quite yet um it's like gonna get better and like I was living day by day like for so many years and um it was hard for me to think about the future because you're trying to get to the next day you know Mm -hmm. um but just know that it's gonna be okay and like you're gonna get to a point in your life where you're going to be so thankful for all those experiences because they've really formed you as a person and even during like the toughest of times like you're you have an experience that no one else has you know like no one has the same experience throughout life and use that experience to be the best person you can be of course but know that like what happened yesterday what's going to happen tomorrow doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to get better and it doesn't necessarily mean that like you're going to always feel whatever way you're feeling or that you're not always going to have the you're you're going to have the help someday that you want to have you know you're going to be able to do the things you want to do just like keep sticking to it and like keep believing in yourself and even when it's really tough to believe in yourself and like believe that uh you'll be able to do something you really want to do just continue to believe yourself and write it down like Mm -hmm. if you can talk to somebody talk to somebody about it Uh, find those connectors that are going to be really important. I know everybody 
talks about networking and how important it is to network, but networking doesn't necessarily mean business to business. Like network can be like a mentor. Network could be somebody who feels like a big brother or big sister to you. Network could be like a second father, second mom, like your Mm -hmm. best friend, your childhood best friend whose house you're over every weekend and whose parents you adore. Like that's a network, you know, like, yeah, if you see somebody in a position that you aspire to be in like ask questions you know I was so afraid to ask questions and ask for help but don't be afraid to ask for help or ask questions because most of the time people are happy to help so yeah that is (laughs) believe in yourself and ask for help (laughs) that's phenomenal advice so you can follow Heather on Instagram and Twitter and all over the place and we will be cheering for her in the future if anyone you know in the house (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) But um, thank you so much for being on More Than Running, and I hope you guys really enjoyed Heather's amazing story. More Than Running with Dana Giordano is brought to you by the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. This episode was produced by Chris Chavez, music by Anna Sophia. I'm your host, Dana Giordano. Thank you for listening, and thank you for running. I only want a few close friends. The rest just pretend. Alternate people kissing in the stairwell I want this day to end Text my mama so I don't lose hope I didn't learn anything I didn't know Always yelling, get off your phone Screw that, I'm going home Did you hear that in? Nah, I'ma take a zero Just call